All right. Hey, Graham. Uh, hey, hey, we're live. We're live on a Wednesday. Uh, we were talking about doing a show last night, and then it was like, duh, game six of the World Series. Braves brought it home, yeah. brought a World championship home. Yep, that's pretty great. Uh, I don't know. A lot of our, uh, a lot of people in the Southeast are pretty damn excited about that. And the Braves are cool because they cross over to everybody. You know, there's a lot of Alabama fans, Tennessee fans, South Carolina fans that are real happy today. But most of all, the Georgia and Braves fans are really damn happy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The the Alabama Braves fans have not suffered a 26 year championship drought, so I don't want to get it from them today. As <laughs> well said. So we're going to cover the game from Saturday. Um, and before we get started with some of our plays and stats, I want to give a big, big, big shout out to Jim Wood, who uh, hosts the My Gotta podcast, um, which is a great sort of uh, you know, compendum to, uh, a comp- uh, partner to us as bothly, uh, both as friends, Georgia fans, but also they put out a really good show that kind of like kind of meshes with us. They, they get it out real early in the week. They talk about sort of the same stuff and they certainly give us lots of shout out. And the reason, you know, in addition to that, Jim got me the files for us this week. So I was at the game um, and I did not record it and CBS blows and it's very hard to get uh, a replay of it, but Jim, but Jim had it and uh, shared it with us. So thank you, Jim. And check shout out. out Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Check out my guy to podcast if you're not already. All right. Yeah. Graham uh, first takeaways from the, uh, the game. <clears throat> uh, yeah, man. I mean, I think defense obviously won the day. Uh, they remain dominant, but uh, you know, there's also the, the scenario of like, what, how does that game play out if Georgia doesn't, force a bunch of turnovers at the end of the first half. Um, and I mean, I think Monken keeps running his stuff and all of that, but uh, there was some bad decision-making from the quarterback position with Stetson Bennett and the offensive line play, at least early and, you know, in a lot of the first half was kind of all over the place. There was just a lot of missed assignments. There was sometimes Darnell was missing run blocks and just stuff that, you know, you hadn't seen from this Georgia team in a few weeks. Um, so, I mean, thank God for a generational defense because I think that game gets pretty tight otherwise. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I think the, you know, the big question, right, is will Georgia, tur- you know, will, will the coaching staff turn on this tape and see something that makes them decide to go back to JT Daniels or at least, you know, start kind of working him back into the flow of everything um well I've got, think, <clears throat> i'm sorry go ahead no i was gonna say before we we get into that because i think that's a, a conversation that's gonna be had or at least probably you know at least this week if yeah exactly but i've got the stats you know yeah georgia netted 2.1 yards per play it's 50 50 success rate and a 0.194 epa which is good, and obviously with the, the negative EPA plays from the, the pick six and the turnovers that Georgia's defense was able to force, they had a they had a, a pretty decent success rate as it goes versus Georgia. I mean, we've been holding people around 30%, and they, they got 40% success on their some of their plays, and but they, they just, you know, like you said, they, they needed a lot of plays to go down the field. They're not a, they, they've got good yardages, as Dan Mullen would like to, to talk about. <laughs> but uh, but you know uh, a four point eight yards per play and and we held their rushing to uh, a season low I believe let me see if I can pull that up yeah uh, yeah they had four point eight yards rushing uh, for the day and they've averaged close over six and I, like we talked about that wasn't six point yards per rush it's not going to happen against this Georgia defense and that's what right. Florida needed to get done and on the flip side Georgia had a good day running the ball really um, it made it backloaded with that you know, fifty yard uh, Zamir right. 
Samir White rush, but we average over five yards a carry, 55% success rate, and a really good explosive rating or, you know, EPA. So um, that was, that was good. I know we've got some, some not so good to talk about in the offense, but it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it's like, we're nitpicking, you know, we're the best team in the country. So we're going to sort of point out some deficiencies and maybe some areas that we should be able to improve. I mean, you know, a lot of this was what we expected. Uh, we saw that, that counter play. Um, yeah. I mean, there was the big, I think 45 or so yard run that Zamir had um to cap it off but they still ran that play six times for 12 yards in attempt on the ground uh you know that bigger run at the end did inflate that average but they were getting nice seven eight yard chunks off that play uh, yeah i've got I've actually, yeah i've got that i've got six plays for 20 uh, 77 total yards and 83 percent success rate um yeah. and, and on the flip side that wheel route mm, that's not so good this for, yeah yeah you're <laughs> Dan Mullen, uh did not innovate so to speak um and you know and, and i think that lsu did georgia a big favor by getting a lead in that game and forcing mullen to empty some of that stuff out of his playbook because they ran a lot of that halfback pass action with richardson the week before and you know burned it on tape i think georgia would have been looking for it anyways after last year but it probably reinforced it to all the players that were watching film that that was coming down the pipe but yeah, I mean, like Georgia on offense, you know, flood variations. You saw a lot of cross and PA boot. Um, nine and a half yards per attempt on on PA boot. You know, like a lot of that came off the Kyrus, uh bomb there at the end of the half. But you saw a lot of screens, you know, um, that little screen to, uh, to, to Brock Bowers, I thought was a nice play. Um, but – yeah, I mean, it, while you talk, I'm going to start playing some plays. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I thought that just in general. Yeah, I mean, Georgia started out right there with that tackle counter, like we talked about, um, pulling these guys over to the right side and seeing that first play and seeing how well it was blocked by uh, Sawyer and Schaefer. It was like, all right, well, here we go. Georgia's going to have a big day on the ground. Um, it, it wasn't that clean a lot of the time, but when it was clean, it was really, really nice. And, you know, you saw some good stuff there. Um, and then here you just, you saw Zamir come off left side, do a good job, break some tackles. Bowers is out there it, in front. It was exciting drive to start the game. And when you move the ball yeah. and, and there's one of those, you know, underneath those little league plays to, to Darnell that Monken likes to use to, to pull guys out of the box. And I think, you know, when we talk about this whole quarterback thing, it's like, I think that's part of the reason why, they're going to be reluctant to pull Stetson Bennett is because he does roll the pocket well and give you some of that, some of that action on these boots that, that Monken seems to really like to be running. But it's like here, you know, you go back to the ground and don't get very good blocking up front. Um, Florida did start loading up up front and that's a good job there, but by, by Bennett just getting the ball out against a, a six man front and leaking it out into the flat to McCockey. But here, you know, this play I thought was kind of a cluster. Um, I would put some of this on the receiver just for, I, you know, I don't know this, but, you know, it seemed like Bennett maybe thought that was going to break out into a corner route. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, with Stetson, though, it's like he's fast enough to get out of that. You know what I mean? Like he's fast enough to get out of the box and throw that ball away. And, uh, it was a little bit of a lazy play, but I thought in general, I liked going for the end zone on third and one. 
because uh, it, you know, basically said they were going to run the ball on fourth and one and try and pick up a first down. And from an analytics standpoint, I like Georgia going for seven there to start the game. But yeah, when that field goal was missed, it kind of screwed up the the flow of everything, and all of a sudden you're in a tie game, and then here comes Florida on offense and. I thought they moved the ball well early to start the game. Um, and, you know, we saw a lot of Richardson running, obviously. Yeah, our defense was, I mean, you know, a quick three and out. And, you know, I was listening to Locked On podcast today. They had Clark or SEC Stat Cat on there, and they talked about uh-huh. 54, 54% of Georgia's defensive uh, drives in a three, uh, three and out. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, it's like you said, you know, this is a special defense and that, and definitely cures some of the ailments that a, a you know, a stumbling offense can may have in a game, but yeah, we started yeah. out great. Tons of pressure. Right there, you know, right there, you saw them split that running back out wide and Quay Walker, uh, is out there on the side and he, you know, I think that's Quay Walker down there at the bottom of the screen that follows the running back out of the backfield, but he picks that up and you see Richardson kind of like we said, he's, he's going to be one reading. So he goes to read that, that running back and actually Quay is there in the middle. Um, but whoever, whoever it was that followed that running back out to the side did a nice job. Blocking I think, him and picking that I think up. it was Dean actually. I think it was Dean. He came okay. in at the end, there. but yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean like Georgia, you know, here you, you get the ball back. Um, not great blocking on the outside at all. They let Brenton Cox get upfield here. And then, you know, I mean, like this, if we, you know, they, that was attempting to be that little tight end slip screen, but they didn't give it time to develop. And it's like, you see Sawyer get blown off the ball. You see, uh, shape, uh, I think that's, I think that's Schaefer. Yeah. Or no, that's Van Pran right there. Like he doesn't touch anybody, but like Sawyer and Van Pran both get kind of blown by there on this, on this play. And all of a sudden you're in third and eight. And it's like, again, right here, McClendon, he lets a guy in off the right edge. Great job by Stetson really getting out of that and finding Cook. But a lot of what Stetson was doing on Saturday was off of busted, you know, broken plays. Um, And, you know, I know there was a lot of people, especially like here, Zamir runs the wrong way. I believe it was Zamir um, and just, doesn't yeah like he's supposed to, he's supposed to go left he hits the hole from the right doesn't take a tan a handoff it turns into basically a triple option play and then it picks up six yards with it but like I mean that's a that's a that's a as a fan of the of, a, of the opposing team it's just crushing to see that it is yeah it totally is and and you're right though. I mean that that's the plays that Stetson can do that maybe J, uh, JT may not be as adept at doing I'm not saying yeah. you can't make them but and this is a bad drop. Yeah, that was and that was a really nice throw by Stetson. Actually, that's a tough throw to make, and he lift, lofted that in there very, very well. Um, and Sawyer does a better job holding the edge there. But yeah, I mean that that's one that you'd like to see made. Um, and then here, second and ten, Cook comes up, and um, I think I think it's Erickson there that kind of lets that guy through. And now you're at third and 13 again, and that ball could have, you know, that could have been an interception right there, truthfully. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought the O-line that is pass blocked so well all year really didn't hold up. And, I, and, it, and it was not just the guard play this time, um, but this was the first time I've seen anybody really, like, 
just abuse Georgia on the edges. Uh, even, you know, I felt like even more so than stretches of the Clemson game, like that drive right there, Florida's getting consistent pressure off the edge uh, with, with Cox and Carter. And I think that's concerning if you're a Georgia fan. And I think it's also like why if you're a Georgia fan that's sitting there saying like Stetson sucks, um, there were some decisions he made in this game that I thought were bad, but like that drive is not his fault. You know what I mean? Like that drive, he's getting flush and he's trying to make things happen. And I get the flip side of that is like, well, why aren't they playing JT? It's like, well, do you want JT in there? You know, possibly not a hundred percent healthy, trying to get him healthy, not the most fleet of foot guy kind of under fire. You know what I mean? And I think the answer is no. Um, yeah, I was going to jump ahead in the second quarter. Um, yeah. You know, so it was a lot of punts and, you know, pretty good defense by both teams. And I think this is kind of what you're talking about, just not just super crisp blocking there. I mean, Zamir makes the most of it. But Yeah, uh, Darnell, though, I mean, if you rewind that, Darnell is supposed to come in and be a lead blocker there, and he just totally – he goes out for a pass route. Like, it's like, what what's going on? He stones that blocker, and that's a good hole for Zamir coming off the right side. I mean, Zamir makes the most out of it because he's a good back, but it's like, yeah, if he, if, if Washington blocks Cox there, then it turns into something much better. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, another, here's, that was counter. beautiful. Yeah. That was another, yeah. Another, uh, a power concept with the, these guys pulling over, but you know, Erickson coming around doing a really nice job there creating that kind of, and, and Zamir's really good at leaning into those like small creases and popping out of something like that. Um, he really kind of almost busted that one, but yeah, I mean, this drive, you're, you're cruising down the field on the ground. Uh, everything's moving well. Here's Britton Cox being lazy as hell, not chasing Stetson <laughs> Bennett. Um, and then, you know, yeah, Bennett brings you down there to the eight yard line. Uh, and that's and that's what you can do, right? Because like, let's be honest, that play is a sack probably with JT in the game, right? And it was it, it, exactly, but I mean, he just ran it, and then then here we go. Yeah, and then stuff down here. Yeah, and I thought that yeah, like oh, I thought kind of had a rough first half in particular, just not really run blocking the way that we're used to seeing him, um, and not finding his guys this was a play where i thought stetson kind of missed a read here i think I, I don't know if you yeah on the bottom um you've got this little rub route that's going to happen it's a little pick play and maybe if he throws it it's called offensive pass interference because it's pretty blatant but bowers comes pretty open down there in the flat um and you know it just never gets thrown which He's never looking that way. I don't know what the primary read was, but yeah, that was one that I think you maybe want to have back. Um, but still, like Georgia was moving the ball up and down the field early, but it was, you know, kind of two steps forward, one step back. Block, block a couple run plays really, really well, and get some nice eight gains on the ground. Followed by missed blocking assignment. Followed by you know missed missed pickups in the in the pass rush. So, it just wasn't crisp, really. Um, it wasn't as crisp as we've kind of gotten used to seeing Georgia over over the last month. Yeah. All right. So cutting again, jumping forward late in this, we're getting to the the, the honey hole here uh, yeah. <laughs> in the second quarter. But here's, you know, again, this 
it's a good drive, but um, you know, the, we'll talk about it. So um, let's talk us through this player here, if you he, if you can. Uh, yeah. For, so I mean, it, this is a nice little cross with with Darnell, um, you know, coming coming back across the formation, leaking out from from being uh, you know on the end of the line of scrimmage there, and getting his athleticism out into the play. Um, yeah, and it looks like the wheel route actually, you know, opened it up for him as they covered the. It was pretty open. I think it's a tough throw for for, for Stetson, truthfully. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like that that was the disguise, you know. That oh, they totally. go, yeah. yeah, they go with Cook, and then it just opens up this this you know huge spot in the zone for for Darnell. Right, and I mean Cook, I think did a pretty good job blocking his guy too. Um, and then yeah, all of a sudden it's just like what's going on here, man? That, like, this ball, I don't understand what's happening. Fitzpatrick comes out on this wheel. One thing, too, is he's got Mitchell on this crossing route here coming out of the slot. And I don't know, if, you know, if Mitchell sits down or if Stetson throws this, he's wide open. Um, and if he throws it to Fitz sooner, he's got an easy little kind of throw in the flat. that Fitz probably runs for close to a first down. But it's like, Fitzpatrick is five yards behind the defender. Burton is in between two defenders. There's nothing there. There's no reason to throw that ball at all. Like, there's nothing there. And, I mean, like, I I don't know. You were at the game. I've been told it was really windy on Saturday. So, it's like, at first I was like, well, maybe that was just a weird ball that got caught up in the wind and overthrown. But it's like, looking at it, it's like, I don't – even if yeah. it was – you shouldn't have thrown it. Like there was nothing there to. I don't. I don't. I mean, wind may have affected kicks. It, it didn't make that a uh, take that from a good throw to a bad throw. It, it was, you know what I mean. It was a. It, it was, was a, bad, a bad throw. Yeah. It was a bad decision at the very least, and and not a great throw at the very, the very best. So, but uh, so all right. But you know, maybe Stetson just knew that he just wanted to give his defense a chance to score and just pinned him deep. The coffin yeah. corner. Uh, coffin corner. Int. <laughs> yeah. The arm punt. Uh, yeah but i mean yeah this you know this is kind of what we've talked about with this defense all year right it's like they since the moment they're timely and they know when you need a big play uh there's jordan davis being an absolute animal and monster but nolan smith right here is one of these plays where you're like no 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 yes 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 because it looks like richardson's getting close to the first down and you're sitting here and there's two and a half minutes left and you're like you want you want Florida to, to get stopped and punt. And that strip was just somebody wanting the ball more than someone else. Uh, and Richardson's a big kid. I thought he did everything he could in this game. But uh, Nolan Smith just just jacks the ball from him. I mean, that's all you can say about it. Um, and, then, and then credit right here to the O-line because, again, this team has been timely and they take advantage of their mistakes. But Gary Danielson – he points it out well. Van Pran and Erickson double team this D tackle right here. And then Erickson does a great job of peeling off and getting on that linebacker. And that's all the room that Cook needs to cut that back and six points. So, I mean, I thought that was a, a really great kind of emphatic ending to that after that offense had struggled and it just struggled running the ball in the red zone to come out and go 10 play rush one play touchdown drive was, was very I want, good. I want to jump in because I, some of the people that follow us on Twitter interact with different folks and 
I think Sarah tweeted out sort of like something about the defense and Edward Egros, who's an analytics guy, um, mm. he pointed out that the defense is so good at actually inflating the offensive EPA because yeah. as we've talked about, EPA is based on down and distance and field position. So here it is, a one-play drive that absolutely is on the hands of the defense. So that one play goes for six points, and that's what we're that, – that field position battle actually does factor in and boost – some of the offensive numbers. And I think those that are questioning possibly this offense, it's because what happens when they've got to go 75, 76, you know, 80 yards, you know, can this offense do it? And they're not saying they can't. They're just saying we haven't seen it because the damn defense is so good. So, uh, and so I just felt that was pretty, you know, interesting. If you look at the scoring plays, there were two one, one play drives, um, you know, set up by the defense and a, you know, a, and a pick six and a, uh, and a you know, 50, 45 or 50 yard run. So um, as you, you kind of look at the whole offensive, it was a lot. It was it was a very explosive and that was about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a good, like, you know, I thought the Kentucky game, you, you know, that was a game where Georgia's defense didn't have any turnovers and Kentucky did a pretty good job of not, you know, not really losing the field position battle terribly all day. So you got to see Georgia's offense go on some 75-yard drives and come out of the half and go five plays, 75 yards for a touchdown and do some really good things. But, yeah, I mean, on Saturday against Florida, you know, you you saw them move the ball kind of between the 20s pretty well at times. Um, but that, you know – that doesn't score points ultimately. It's like, you you know, you want to see those drives end in, in the end zone and maybe one of those drives ending in a field goal a game is okay, but not, you know, three of them ending in a field goal. Um, and Georgia's been pretty good in the red zone this year. That's one thing I will say. Uh, they have been taking advantage of these opportunities. But, like, man, right here, that play with, with Richardson, like, getting out on the edge, just, I mean, look at, look at Dean come out and take that pitch away and force basically that, you know, force AR to keep that ball and come back into uh, to Tyndall. Like, that's just a, a really heady play by him. And then here's the pick, which the incredible thing about this pick is Trevon Walker is the defensive end, and he is 12 yards downfield playing zone. You see him back out right there. Like, that's a 280-pound man covering that, like, a 230-pound linebacker or safety. Like, the, that's just pure athleticism. And he literally tipped straight to his guy. Like, that was such an insane display of what Georgia has that no one else has right now, which is just absolute freak shows on defense that can play any position on the field almost at any time. Um, and then here, again, another one of those plays for the offense where it's like credit – there was a lot of a lot of crap for the offense on Saturday, but when they had a shot to to go for the jugular vein, boom, they hit it right there. You know what I mean? Like, because you're not coming back from 17 on this Georgia defense. They know it. Georgia's offense knows it. And I'm in the opposite. I'm in the opposite. Really well. I'm in the opposite corner uh, end zone on the Georgia side, and I could see this. I could see it. I just, I mean, I, sure I knew. Did, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, it, you know, he took a, you know, seven step drop, and you just saw it break open. And I thought he put too much air under it. I thought it was going to get uh, defended, uh, and then, you know, you know, it's all the way on the opposite side of the field. So I was like, you know, I, they called a touchdown. I was stoked, but it was. It was you, actually a really nice throw from from Stetson. Truthfully, I mean, it was maybe a hair long, but I. 
you know, I think you kind of had to throw it towards that back pylon to give Kyrus the, the room to create that separation from from the man that was lined up straight in front of him. So well, that, uh, yeah, that's how open it was. It was in the in the air for a long time. Even even my drunk ass could see it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! There you go. Um, and then yeah, I mean this drive right here, like I there was a, a play earlier in the half where Keely Ringo. Uh, you know, I think it was the drive where Florida missed that field goal, the 51 yard field goal in the, I think, late first or second quarter somewhere. But um, I want to say Ringo, something too after this before we look at this play. Ringo backed out and, you know, kind of played a soft coverage and Richardson threw one late intermediate. And Ringo was playing with so much cushion that he got away with it. But I, I literally said, like, that should have been a pick. And, I, you know, we talked about it. I mean, shit, I tweeted it out on Saturday morning when they, the AR was starting. I told them, go and get your, go take a defensive touchdown prop bet for Georgia because you're going to, you're going to win some money. Uh, and, and Kobe just baited him, man. Like he baited him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to just like, you know, what, what, it's, it's talking about personnel groupings and sort of what you can do leverage wise, you know, it's like no one has zero personnel. No one has five wide receivers. You know, you're going to put a uh, put a running back out there as a receiver, and that, I mean mm-hmm. that's what you're that's what you're trying to do as an offensive you know play caller is you know get a, a running back that's that can act like a wide receiver against a linebacker. But like we've talked about, these guys are absolutely so special that you know in coverage, you know they're not a liability. They're and in fact, it is an, an asset. And we talked about how good our, our linebacker coverage grades were. I know that PFF is the uh, the punching bag this week uh, on Georgia Twitter and stuff. But, you know, we pointed it out. I mean, they've got good, you know, low yards per catch uh, and m- no missed tackles and an excellent um, in, in coverage. And this is exactly right. They, they, he's trying to be sneaky and throw a ball to a running back against a wide receiver and, and game o- literally game over at this point. Oh, yeah. No, it's over. I mean, it was over before that. Like, you, you know, you get down 17 on Georgia and it's over. But um, that was just – I mean, like, my dad was at the game and he called me and he was just like – and, like, you know, normally when he's at a game, it, we'll, we'll text or whatever. But this was the first time I can remember maybe ever him being so excited by a sequence that it was like I got a call because he was like, I was sitting here feeling shitty for myself, you know, Georgia's – three nothing and it feels like all these other years down here and then all of a sudden it's a 24 nothing game and it's over um and i mean like this defense i think truthfully man like i've I've kind of written about this but it's like you survive them more than you you know go out and move the ball and and try and beat them like when you're playing this defense the goal is almost as much not to allow something crippling that will end the game to happen as, as much as it is to try and move the ball and score touchdowns. Like it, it's almost equal parts. Just don't, you know, don't trigger the avalanche as it is. Let's go and, and drive the field. Well, and then we're jumping ahead to the fourth quarter here and we're going to look at Emory Jones against the defense. It may have been the better quarterback to start, but uh, I believe this as some is people, as some yeah. people noted. Yeah. But here's uh, another, here's another bad play by Stetson here. Yeah, and that ball just, I mean, it's underthrown, man. Um, it's way underthrown. It shouldn't be thrown really anyways. But if it's going to be thrown, 
you know, there is like, there is a, a universe where somebody with a really strong arm puts that way out towards the pylon and it's a completion, but it's just, that's a, that's it's, across the field from the opposite hash from 58 yards away. And so that turns in, you know, that's a long throw and he just, there was no reason. And that drive started out really well with a couple of nice plays. It was like, Georgia was probably going to go down and score on that drive. Um, and, you know, same could be said about the Kenny McIntosh fumble. It was like the second half, I felt like this game really could have gotten stretched into the the mid-40s pretty easily or even oh, yeah. high-40s. And Georgia just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And then they played soft with, with Jones in there and, you know, really just kind of played not to give up any big plays. Um, and, I, and you know what? Like, I, like – I do think it is, it bears mentioning or repeating. Like, I think if Emory Jones is in the game, uh, maybe one of those turnovers at the end of the half happens, but probably not all three. Um, you know, definitely probably not that, uh, that last one. And so it's just like, I, I think with him, Florida, like Mullen was victim to kind of falling falling into the pressure from the fan base, which there is a lot of for him right now. But um, I still thought – He's not getting pressure from the press this week. He kind of went and went and turtled on him. But <laughs> – Well, yeah, that's why. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, Jones, I thought was a little – his agility was a little more – like, Richardson is a straight-line runner, and he's a big kid, and he's athletic. But um, there's just not many gaps – in the line of scrimmage with that Georgia defense. And I thought Jones kind of snaked through a little bit better and created some rushing lanes up the middle more often. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just in general, like it would have been nice to have the shutout, but I think Georgia a lot like the end of the Kentucky game at this point, they're just content for you to run clock and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to like, run any exotic blitz and put it on film at this point. This was the spot where Ringo got pulled out of the game. Uh, and, and really, I think it was on that, that coverage bust was on Brinny, but uh, Ringo was yelling at him. So they pulled him off the field and they were like, you know, it's our job to yell at the players, not your job, <laughs> which I thought, you know, like I yeah, guess where Ringo's coming from. Yeah. And I thought that it was great that, like, I think it's really interesting. And one thing we haven't really talked about on the show is just this offense, or I'm sorry, this this coaching staff is very in tune with the the psyche of this team. And there's the fiery, chop wood, cut your ass loose kind of, you know, mentality that Kirby Smart is bringing. But there's also a lot of, like, cerebral, you know, pull pull this kid over to the side let's have a, a nice calm conversation and talk about what the coverage is supposed to look like or talk about what he did wrong uh and it's a good balance i think of like fire and intensity and then you know let's talk about what actually happened instead of just you know yelling and freaking out so i think that this staff has done a really good job of just managing kind of the this mentality of the team this whole season and, and keeping them motivated, but also just keeping them very together and not letting success kind of go to individuals' heads and pull things apart or create resentment in the locker room. 
Well, it'll be interesting, you know, talking about the locker room and stuff, you know, and everyone's speculating about the quarterback. And, you know, I, I was listening to the lock, uh, the Bulldogs by the numbers or whatever with Brent and, um, Tug. and Tug. And, uh, you know, they talked about there's probably two camps in the locker room. You know, there's probably a Stetson camp and a JT camp. And, and you know, Kirby and his, you know, criticisms of his quarterback room, I think, you know, it's going to be tested. But I, I actually don't know how much of it's on – Kirby at this point, I believe Monken has free reign and, and will put in the quarterback he thinks is going to win. He does not care what names on their on their nameplate, does not care what number they're wearing. He's just going to put the quarterback in that gives them best chance to win. But um, yeah, you you did see the limitations of of that, and you and maybe that play was called to maybe even test Stetson just to see how far he had come and and because Monken wants to throw those balls, he wants to make those balls. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, whether they're 50-50 balls or, or ball that's that only your guy can catch, but you know he he, he may have showed his limits there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what who comes out of the the tunnel on Saturday at quarterback. Um, I think we're going to see them both. <clears throat> um, and uh, I mean, I think I'm well <laughs> well documented that I'd like to see JT uh, down the stretch. I would too. Yeah, I mean, I think like what. Stetson Bennett was doing for the, the month leading up to this game, I thought was good enough to go and win a title behind. Uh, and I would still kind of maintain just from a sheer numbers standpoint and output standpoint, that's, that's probably true with this defense. But I think with JT, the ceiling is higher. The processing is faster. The counter to my conversation or argument about maybe they're not pulling Stetson out for JT because the offensive line isn't blocking that well is that JT gets the ball out a lot faster, sees things a lot quicker, reads the field a lot quicker, and the time from snap to throw is significantly shorter on average with Daniels behind uh, or under center. So that's, you know another side of this if I, if I were a better director producer and co-host at the same time i would have pulled this graphic up when you were talking about what you saw at a stetson early in the season because this is the offensive total epa which is you take each play's grade number whatever you want to call it and just cumulatively sum it up and this is the season right here so you can see that you thought that, that jt we could with leading an offense that could win a natural championship. you can actually see us holding pace with uh alabama oklahoma and ohio state now i know this is a random four teams but clearly, I think these are the teams that, you know, Michigan State's in the playoff committee's top four. Um, yeah. o- Oklahoma's and Ohio State and Alabama are, have excellent offenses. But you can see that we're not keeping pace. Uh, uh, and you can see us sort of trail off. Now, that's I'm not pushing the panic button. Don't troll me on Twitter. Call me Miss, uh, Miss Debbie Downer. Uh, but I do think that we're seeing literally a ceiling with Stetson there. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I think that's probably true to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I thought Saturday was a really weird game just because the defense dominated and kind of created a situation where, like, they didn't play for the, you know, they didn't really play as tight on Florida in the second half as they did in the first half. So they let Florida possess the ball. I didn't really let them score. And then when you have two second half turnovers, like, yeah. Georgia just didn't see the ball that much. You know what I mean? Like, on offense. Like, it felt like, you know, I mean, there was only, like, 40-something offensive snaps in that game, I think. Maybe 50. Um, but it wasn't much. And, yeah, 
I think, you know, when you're, and that's partially due to, to Stetson's bad decision-making and two interceptions to end drives. Um, but I think, you know, Bennett, the whole thing has been play action, play action, play action, and some of those rollouts. And some of that stuff worked on Saturday, but some of that stuff Florida was ready for. And, you know, they had, they had guys bracketed downfield and they had really soft coverages. And in the weeks earlier, Stetson had been content in those moments in the game to take a comeback route to like Lab McConkie instead of forcing the 40 yard throw downfield. And on Saturday, he didn't take those short throws. He forced everything downfield. Um, I've, so, I've got the, I got it at 52 snaps on offense to 74. So, yeah. And I mean, time of possession wise, I know time of possession is a meaningless stat to most, but I'm sure it's pretty big discrepancy. But, but yeah, I mean, with Stetson, like, 48 something I think 48.6 or 48.8% of his dropbacks have been play action um and that's where the majority of his yardage and touchdowns and, and EPA is coming from JT there's still you know I mean he hasn't played a ton of them, but 37% of his snaps have been play action so a little bit lower there's, it seems like there's a little more trust not trust but there's a little more openness maybe or trust um with him under center in terms of just straight dropbacks, more timing routes, throwing the ball downfield. So I think, you know, kind of moving into talking about the, the CFP rankings being out uh, and seeing Alabama there at number two um, and kind of realizing like there is a scenario maybe where Georgia beats Alabama in a close game and you still have to play them again. Um, I hope not, but I think, like, if Georgia's got a shot to beat Alabama, they need to go beat them by 24. You know what I mean? Like, they just need to go beat shit out of Alabama, take care of it once and for all, and not see them again a month later. And I think that with this defense, that's on the table, but I think it's on the table with this defense and JT under center going and scoring, you know, 35 or 38 and holding them to, you know, 17 or 20. Yeah. And obviously everyone's going to be talking about their rankings this week <clears throat> and it, you know, maybe it's because Georgia's number one and I'm not fired up about it. I just, you know, it is what it is. I do think that that Cincinnati deserves uh, to have a path there. I, that's my feeling. I don't know if they're, you know, deserving of a playoff spot, but um, we're it's it's kind of moot. We got a lot of football left to play. If you think Michigan State, we do. Yeah, if you think Michigan State and Oregon are running on the table, I think you're crazy. Um, I, I think, and that's what you know. I think at the end, it's going to be the four best teams. Um, maybe there's going to be five to choose from, and I think Cincinnati is going to be one of those five. So it'll be once we get to that point, you know, when we're week eleven or week thirteen or whatever, it'll be interesting to see. But um, uh, yeah, Georgia's on top and. You know, everyone's saying we win these last four games, uh, which we're going to be favored by, you know, double digits, if not, you know, in the 20s and some of them we're in. And that's that's a that's a damn good place to be. And I think that's correct, man. I do. Um, you know, just I mean, they even said last night, Georgia's there's a clear gap in the committee's mind between Georgia and everybody else. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not also like. I'm not convinced that Bama runs the table either. Um, I think that Auburn is playing really well and weird stuff happens to that game and they got to go to Jordan Hare. And I think that 
if Bo Nix is like on his, you know, his like mega church Manziel kind of flow or whatever it is he does, that you never you never know what happens in that game because he played really well against Ole Miss the other night. Um, I was really yeah, impressed that, actually with him. Yeah, the Iron Bowl is shaping up to be a really good Iron Bowl again. I know, and it's always nice to have that game be a good one. I know, I know this playoff is going to make that meaningless, but it, we should enjoy the Iron Bowl while we can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so before we go, obviously Braves won the ring last night. Um, you know, been 26 years between titles uh, in that time. The Braves have been to the playoffs 16 times, which is two more than the Cubs went to the playoffs in their 105-year World Series drought, um, which I think is a pretty crazy stat. But, yeah, I mean, we've watched Atlanta sports teams fail in big moments over and over. Obviously, the Braves, 16 playoff trips in a row, 28-3, uh, second and 26, all this stuff. Does it change anything for you in terms of how you look at this season for Georgia? Does it make you more optimistic? Does it make you feel like there's a monkey off the back at all? Nah, and not at all. I mean, it, I'm happy for the Braves, but there's it's you know, it's it's narrative and it's fun to talk about. I mean, well, I well you know, am I happy about really it? Not yeah. fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool, but it's like no, it doesn't it doesn't matter at all. I mean, because just like you said, there's now the committee has left a path for going through Alabama twice. So unless uh, Solaire is going to come in and DH in the second half uh, for Georgia, I, you know I don't. Uh, you know I mean it's 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 great, but no, I there if I don't believe in curses, uh, and um, I, I but I do think that said, I think it's Georgia's. This is a great. I'm not going to say the only shots now or never because I think that Kirby is stacked classes yeah. and we're going to be really good. So I I do think this is a, a year. Let's go get it um maybe the psyche of the players a little bit maybe i don't know i just don't i think they're so dialed i don't think it's good shit yeah yeah i think, I think they're dialed in they're, they're they're doing their own thing and stuff but you know the sense of pride around the whole the the southeast i think it's great you know i i you know like you know andre 3000 said it's like south's got something to say so i would love to see us stack championships like kirby's stack classes which would be really cool i'd love to see trey young go make another deep nba run so yeah. I, I, I love all of that narrative, but I don't think it factors into uh, the Georgia season. No, I mean, I don't. So, like, I wrote an article this summer that, like, some people really liked and people like Sarah got really mad at me for because um, <laughs> I wrote about, like, let's just go and, like, you know, why don't you just, when you think about this Georgia season, just allow yourself to to think about the possibility of them going and winning a national title and, and just be positive about it and, and we'll see what happens. Right. Cause I do think like when, when Atlanta went up four nothing in uh, game five at home, you could feel like just through the TV and all the way out here in the mountain time zone, like I could feel every person in that stadium sphincter tighten up and just be like, <laughs> how are we going to blow this? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that, like, that energy does somehow, like, I think that group consciousness can be a real thing, and I think that energy can can affect things that, you know, it's it's near to. And and I felt like that uh, sitting at the Georgia-Alabama game in the 2018 national title game, um, where you could just tell everyone was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And 
I think, you know, the Braves players obviously stayed loose and um, maybe being in Houston and going up big last night, I think probably helped them a little bit instead of being in front of Braves fans who were going to freak the fuck out. And so my thing moving forward is just like, dude, this Georgia team's really good. Like you said, it's not the end of some window. Uh, they're going to continue to stack five stars. They're going to continue to have opportunities to win national titles. I think this is a great defense, and I really want to see them cash it in because I think it's a unique way to win a college football title in this day and age, and I think that would be very cool. Um, but, man, like, enjoy the ride. You know, I lived through Ray Goff and Jim Donnan, as I know you have too. And Yeah, you know, those were the years I was there. All we had was the Braves. Right, man. It's like, I, you know, I remember watching Jim, like, going to – Georgia games in Donnan's first year and then being horrible, you know, losing to Southern Miss 12 to seven. Um, that, was, that was my senior year. Dude, that's brutal. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, you know, my, my junior year at Georgia was, uh, was Joe Cox or I guess that was myself. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I lived through Joe Cox and the 2010 uh, six and six year, you know, it's like, I've seen a lot of bad football too. And so enjoy it and have fun. But it's like, I hope for some people out there that are just like, all this is doomed that the Braves winning last night maybe helps them keep that energy a little bit out of things. If Georgia does find themselves up. I think, I think Georgia Twitter is a little unique than the Georgia at all at all uh, at all. Um, There is a, there's a confidence vibe that I got at the cocktail party. Um, I mean, I had it, I wasn't down, you know, three, nothing, zero, zero. I was, I was not stressed at all. Uh, And and so I I do think that um, maybe Georgia Twitter is, is going to be more because, you know, everyone wants to be funny and and sarcastic and, you know, and it's, you know, it's a cesspool. So, uh, but I think, I think your, your message is, is, is real. And uh, I, I think, I think your positivity is is felt by a lot of people. So, uh, but yeah. that said, are we going to break down a thirty nine point underdog <laughs> this week? <laughs> I was thinking instead of, I mean, like I don't know how much film you guys need on the zoo. Um, they're real bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So my thought would be maybe let's circle back uh, and and do like a pick show. You know, yeah. the whole college football weekend. And we, yeah, can, let's do we can show a few stats. All you need to know is that Mizzou gave up. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me see how much it was. <laughs> uh, what are they They're giving up it? seven yards of carry almost, man. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not just like they're giving up seven yards of carry. They gave up 28 points to Vanderbilt and 260 yards on the ground to Vandy. So... <laughs> Yeah, they're bad. Uh, their offense, though, has been um, productive. You know. Yeah, I mean, if, like, if if Basilex back, it might it, it might change. It I might think be. that might be a good. It's a good type of offense for them to face going into the Tennessee game. Yeah, there's a lot of similar stuff there. So, um, yeah, I went on with Chase Thomas yesterday. Uh, you know, who's a, a Tennessee guy, and uh, like he's not. Like, he thinks that Georgia's going to beat Tennessee by a large margin, but he, he does think that Tennessee is going to break 20 on Georgia. So, it's an interesting thing to watch because I think that that's going to be our best chance to see maybe what uh, what Georgia 
versus Alabama may look like in some in some sense, just because Hooker does some similar things to Young, and I don't know. We'll get into all that next week. We'll do the full the full preview film breakdown for Tennessee because I think it, it warrants it. But um, yeah, we'll we'll circle back later in the week and and shoot it a little bit and talk about Mizzou. But I'm not sure, guys, if I've got. 10 hours of film study and me for a 39 point spread. I just, I don't, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't have any Mizzou plays queued up. I don't think so. Uh, we're gonna have some fun. It was all right. Enjoy, enjoy the championship. Enjoy, go dogs, go braves. Thank you so much, Graham, for running through these plays with us again. And Thank you. Yeah, we, we are uh, – I hate to keep asking for this. Anybody that's still watching, yeah. that We're doing well with the FTMF hats. That we've got 90-plus on a waiting list. So, Somebody um, messaged me in the in the bottom of the eighth inning last night asking <laughs> where to get an FTMF hat. We're um, working on it. We are absolutely working on it. I've got a good buddy uh, whose brother-in-law is, uh, you know, constantly looking for hats. So he's fired up. He's a dog. And uh, we're going to get these done. Uh, Graham – I got to run to work. You've got to run to work. And, yep. uh, but, yeah, but subscribe and, and rate, review, all that stuff. And uh, I'm out. And uh, I can't wait to watch a 39 point, uh, you know, favorite game go down. So with that, yeah. go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>